Hello and welcome to my first podcast episode. I'm Eliana and I'm here with my dear friend and flatmate George. Hello. So uh, we live together in Exeter and we're lucky enough to be able to watch many movies together and have many discussions and not very many arguments. Surprisingly, not yet. Similar taste, haven't we? Very similar taste. Maybe at the end of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're going to be talking to George about his top five favourite films, why he loves them, what he loves about them, and just share his love for movies. So without further ado, do you want to give us your number five pick? Absolutely, yeah. So I'll start by saying that I feel like I've taken this more seriously than most people would take naming their first five movies because a bit of a saddo and um I have thought about it strategically and I, the list has changed a few times but I have now thought about a top five so you just want the fifth pick at the moment yes so we'll work our way up okay so at number five and one that we've watched very recently is uh the classic that is the godfather mm. so if I'm not mistaken you really do like gangster movies yes so this will be a trend that we'll see as we as we go on with the um (laughs) with the podcast because i when i say i thought about it strategically i've almost planned my top five in genre as well so i've made sure that i pick one from all of my favorite genres because i have very specific favorites among the kinds of films that there are mm-hmm. and gangster movies is one that I absolutely love I've always been obsessed with the mafia and stuff like that I remember um did you have to do a an EPQ do you know what an EPQ is I know what it is but we didn't have to didn't, do that. didn't have to do them well any listener that did have to do <laughs> an EPQ I did my EPQ on the differences between the mafia in real life and how it was portrayed in the godfather so really yeah so it's been a long and how old are you when you do an EPQ? Um, is it... Oh, God, I can't even remember. It's a... I think it's first year of sixth form, I think. Okay. Um, so for my, my foreign friends, that would be grade 11, so 17 years yeah, old, Yeah, about roughly? 17. Yeah, definitely about yeah. that age. And I remember my... The comment... I didn't do very well on it, by the way. So <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't exactly a sign of my expertise because I remember my professor saying to me... Um, or my teacher, not my professor, saying to me, uh, it would have been really good, George, if you'd actually tried. Oh. Yeah, which is a bit of, which is <laughs> a, which is a put down. Um, but coming back to The Godfather. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a long love affair with gangster films. Mm-hmm. And even though this is a top five, I have to say that the last minute change was to replace Goodfellas with The Godfather. Mm-hmm. And Goodfellas would be number Honorable six. mention. Honorable mention, because they're so interchangeable. So why, in did, you, why did you bump it down? I, I just think, I mean, from a purely cinematic, the whole package sort of perspective, mm-hmm. I think The Godfather is a better film. But then I feel like that's not even an insult to Goodfellas because I think a lot of people would argue when it comes to the whole package of a film, The Godfather beats almost anything. Yeah, that's Just true. in terms of, I think it, um, it's widely considered to be the greatest ensemble cast of all time. Like every actor just nails it in every yeah. single scene. Um, all all of the actual directing behind it, the script is electric. Yeah, the whole thing is no. It, it's known as being an absolute classic, and so um, yeah, it just pips Goodfellas. But again, they're 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 really really no, close. Just rewatching it again, it feels very much like every loose end is tied at the end. Just everything has a really natural and fulfilling conclusion, which 
I think when you have a movie with a lot of violence, it can kind of pry away from that. But it does feel like a really kind of whole movie, if that makes any sense. Yeah, the um the character development that's mm. the um that's probably its outstanding attribute, and that um you follow Michael f- f- through the whole journey in terms of not wanting to get involved and being actually quite honourable and obviously a, a war vet. So yeah. from the audience's point of view, someone we associate with being good. Um, and then obviously we see him go to the dark side and turn to the dark yeah. side in the most... I think that's what I probably enjoyed most this time around because I think my brother really loved it growing up when I was kind of younger, so I was more just keeping up with the plot and I didn't really like it that much the first times I watched it. Mm-hmm. But this time, and I think because when we were watching it, we picked up on different like acting choices um and you can really notice him kind of turning into this more kind of evil and person who just like demands more from everyone Mm. which i think was really really cool to see there's a a brilliant moment um for anyone that's seen it where the he's at um, at dinner with the, the Turks a lot so <laughs> yeah and um, I, I mentioned it at the time because and in fairness this is I think this is taken from a YouTube video so this is not, <laughs> this isn't something I've come up with myself but um, there's a close-up on um, Al Pacino's face and his and a train sound is heard and his eyes flicker like 50 times in 30 seconds or something and he communicates the whole um, decision of am I actually going to do this and am I going to ma- you know make this decision about my life so perfectly uh, it's brilliant acting it's not the only piece but that mm-hmm. that that in particular stands out as a moment of of just brilliant character development shown perfectly by obviously a brilliant actor yeah um in all honesty I really don't like gangster movies it's just something that obviously I can tell when a movie's good but it's never something that I'll kind of sit down and be like oh you know what I want to watch today? Good old gangster movie. It's just, none of it appeals to me. And I just kind of, maybe maybe I'm just too good for it. I don't like bad <laughs> people doing bad things. Um, but I do really appreciate The Godfather and the music in it. I really mm. like, and that's something me and my family used to listen to, which is a bit weird, but I hope. I think, uh, well, this is obviously a massive stereotype, but... Mm. I think gangster movies are perhaps if there was one genre that, it, you know, if girls are associated with chick flicks, though, as you'll see from the rest of my list, that, that that's not necessarily my the case. My uncle would disagree. Yeah, <laughs> that's not necessarily the case. But if you make that assumption, then I guess the opposite is boys in gangster movies because yeah. the cliche yeah. is every boy's favorite film is Goodfellas or something like that, because it's men behaving badly and getting away yeah. with it for a lot of the a lot of the um time my, and I, oh, sorry carry on my brother's email address was mafia alex 95 at hotmail.com exactly it, exactly and i think that's the thing i think <laughs> part of every boy is i want to be a gangster yeah. and do the scene in i mean going back to goodfellas again but the scene where he walks through the um uh, Copacabana just it just looks so cool you just want to be that cool you want to be Al Pacino in The Godfather so yeah maybe there's a stereotype there um but hey no I love gangster movies I, 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 I'd happily watch bad gangster movies <laughs> just so happens that there happens to be quite yeah a, um, a good few of them great well good choice for number five how are we going to step up to number four so number four again picking strategically <laughs> um Another, I mean, whether this is a genre or whether this is just 
Um, well, to be fair, he probably does have a genre to himself. And I've picked a Tarantino film. Mm-hmm. And I've picked my personal favourite is Inglorious Bastards. Mm. And um, I, I mean, well, what are your? We can talk about Tarantino in general, but yeah. do you like Tarantino? Is that something? I do. I think. I love how stylistic all his films are and you can what I appreciate is you can tell that he loves what he's doing and he's very like unabashedly himself which is what you can see in all the interviews and everyone kind of calling him an asshole but he just makes movies that he wants to make mm-hmm. and I think I really appreciate his use for diff- like Kill Bill which which has an interesting narrative structure and then obviously Pulp Fiction which has this non-linear narrative I just think it's such a fun way of playing with films that have really, really stuck with a lot of people, which is why he's so kind of well-renowned and is this, like, auteur, but I don't think I don't think his films are, like, some of the best works of art out there, but they're so much fun to watch, and I think it's so cool how, I guess in the same way with Wes Anderson, like, you can love it, you can hate it, yeah. but there is no denying that when you watch the movie, you know who it's from, mm-hmm. and I think that has a lot to say about his artwork. Yeah, I, I completely agree. The one the thing I'm glad that you didn't say, and, and um, if anyone has this critique of Tarantino mm. as well, that you're missing the point, is that people when people say, oh, it's, it's, you know, it's just the violence and yeah. it's yeah. overwhelming, I mean, that's just not what it's... That, well, it may be what it's about for some people, and if you really, really like that, then, then fair play, but mm. the, the genius that I think the special thing that Tarantino's got is his script writing. Yeah. And yeah. Um, as someone who is obviously interested in writing and, and script writing in general... Um, he's sort of a master of that and he's probably, you know, he's known for dialogue. I can't think of the top of my head someone that writes dialogue in such a distinctive way. Yeah. Tarantino dialogue is its own thing. Um, and and the a side effect of that or the um, ultimate accomplishment that he gets by doing that is iconic scenes. And the reason that I picked Inglorious Bastards, but it applies to all of his films, mm-hmm. is that where this could be a criticism and a compliment to Tarantino is that his films sometimes feel like they're just a roll call of brilliant scenes <laughs> rather yeah, than one yeah. coherent film that is brilliant in its own right, like The Godfather, for example, which would be an example of the um, opposite. Um, so the first scene of Inglorious Bastards is my favourite scene ever, probably. I love it so much from a screenwriting point of view. Do you want where, to just briefly describe it? Yeah, so... Um, we, we, you open on a, a farm in France um, in about, well, it's during the war, so about in the 1940s. And um, you see an SS truck pull up. Um, the farmer sends his daughters away into the house, washes up. And then Christoph Waltz, who plays Hans Lander. Amazingly. Amazingly. One of the best performances ever. Um, comes in and is like overly pleasant, actually. And that's the genius of it. He, he kills with kindness. Like, he's so friendly. Um, but manages to sort of hint at the real sinister edge behind him. And they have a conversation. And what's really clever about it is that um, Tarantino sort of uses little tricks. So uh, at first they talk in French. Obviously it's in France. But then they actually make mention of the fact that they can both speak in English. And would you mind? So then they switch to English. I really do love that kind of seamless instead of, oh, it just so happens that everyone seems to speak perfect English. Exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. And in, in a lot of films, um, they wouldn't even address it. They're just saying, well, most people in the world speak English with the films in English. But he, he, he doesn't have that. It's almost like a, a mini wink at the audience of, yeah. we're going to make this in English now for your, for your viewing pleasure. Um, and then uh, there's a, I think it's referred to in, in film studies as um, like 
the, the, the bomb or um, something to that description where you reveal the thing that the audience knows before or that the characters know before the audience mm-hmm. knows and that is that the, he, the farmer is hiding a Jewish family under his floorboards um, and that's just adds a whole new level of tension to the scene and it builds so beautifully even though they're talking about nothing they talk about milk they talk about smoking and milk which comes back at the end yeah. afterwards yeah yeah so they, they're not talking about the the elephant in the room quite literally um but they're, they're saying it all it's 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 brilliant it's screenwriting at its absolute best and and the rest of the film is sort of iconic in its own way as well there's some great characters there's another fantastic scene which is often mentioned um when they're in the cellar Mm-hmm. Um and they're attempting to so that they're they're sent some English spies in to pose as Germans and they meet with a German actress and they play a game of um like who's on my head or whatever yeah. there's different names for that um in various places but yeah it it's a masterclass in screenwriting and it's my personal favorite. I just Tarantino think it's so film. playful and like all those bits that you mentioned it's someone who's you can tell is like oh this is going to be so cool and yeah. it's it's the right amount of figuring it out for yourself, but then having this really cool visual payoff afterwards. So it's not just dialogue heavy. You've got like really fun visuals and obviously all the violence to kind of please the masses. And and what he also does with structure is I don't think you could ever get... Well, I would say you can never get bored in a Tarantino film, though <laughs> the only time I have is in the most recent one, yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, <laughs> where the first two hours of that you think, are we going to get anywhere? But maybe that's the exception to the rule. Um, but in it, in the episodic structure ones that he does, like in Glorious Bastards, because it's he literally says chapter one, chapter two, and they're totally different. You think, oh, how are these related? And then it's all tied together at the end. There's no like, oh, where are we going here moment. Yeah. You're just fascinated by the thing that's put in front of you so yeah master of structure master of screenwriting i just really <laughs> what, like what would camp I, man do <laughs> yeah i just really like tarantino and one of his films had to be in my top mm-hmm. five i feel like it's also worth mentioning when you said that you're really interested in screenwriting uh do you want to briefly talk through your degrees and yeah so um i i did english as, as an undergrad um, and this year I'm doing creative writing, hence the particular interest in, in the art of screenwriting or the, the writing behind the screen. Um, but I have also done a module of film studies this term, which is why we've watched so many films. <laughs> we literally, we don't watch TV really, do we? No. We watch the odd oh, TV. Oh no, we're and... watching Gavin and Stacey. We're watching Gavin and Stacey. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's a whole other thing. We could yeah, do a, could, I could a talk a about Gavin and Stacey. Yeah, oh. could do 30 podcasts <laughs> on Gavin and Stacey. But um, yeah, we watch so many films. Yeah, We've I watched think... some weird ones because of the film studies one. Yeah. But that's always interesting because yeah. you do learn a lot from that. Mm. But I think we've probably got every single broadcasting streaming service under the sun. Literally. And we still yeah. manage to fit in probably like one or two movies a week, including every single football match <laughs> that is on at the yeah. same time. Yeah, literally on our big TV downstairs is either sport or it's a movie. Yeah. It's not a bad life. We, we live in the lounge, yeah. essentially. Yeah. It's not a bad life at all. No. So let's move on to number three, inching our way up the list. Yeah. So uh, now this will be the... This, this is, is the, the one I'm excited yeah, to talk this about. This is the, the spanner in the works because I feel like if you, if you were following my list uh, in a coherent way, this would make no sense. So we've gone Godfather, we've gone Tarantino and Glorious Bastards, and the number three, <laughs> Notting Hill. <laughs> we love to see it. <laughs> Um, but again, in fairness, uh, it, it's the same sort of pick in that the other genre of film that I absolutely love and arguably love more than gangster yeah. movies and, um, 
and Tarantino films is, and specifically not just rom-coms, because there are some truly god-awful yeah. rom-coms, yeah. but Richard Curtis rom-coms. <laughs> I didn't realise it was that specific. Oh, it's really specific. So, and he's, that means anything that he's either written or directed, mm-hmm. because in a couple he's done one or the other. So can you name me some of the ones? So, yeah, go, anyone that wouldn't know. Oh, I mean, I think three of them are in my top 20, we were going to do that. So, Four Weddings and a Funeral, uh, Notting Hill, um, the, the newest one, well, what, a more recent one, which mm. is sort of underrated film, I think, is About Time. Oh, I love that. Oh, I didn't realise he did that one. Yeah, love that. He, mm-hmm. he wrote that and maybe directed it as well. And then Love Actually, he wrote and, direct, wrote and directed mm-hmm. that. Um, and then uh, the most recent one he's done, which is, doesn't really live up to his other stuff, is, is The Yesterday by the Beatles oh. one. Oh, interesting. Yeah, nice film. I mm-hmm. saw it. It's I guess got... all of them kind of do the job. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't. I don't think I've missed one there. the The big two are obviously, uh, or the big three are Notting Hill, Love Actually, yeah. and Four Weddings and a Funeral. Um, and he was also involved in the Bridget Jones films, but mm-hmm. they're sort of their own thing. Yeah. Um, but of those three, Notting Hill was my favourite, and I would say that well, it's true. It's the film I've seen the most. Yeah. I've probably most seen of all time of all time. I've oh. probably seen it thirty times. I would. When say. did you first watch it? Um, probably at Christmas, um, with the family, mm-hmm. just stuck it on. And then, but it's become like a comfort blanket in the, I, I've watched it in the last couple of weeks, I think. Oh, like, did you? Yeah. Just put it on <laughs> uh, in bed or something. Um, because, it, uh, you know, if it, your relationship with film can almost take on a life of its own. And I know it word by word. <laughs> I honestly do. There's, there's one scene where, um, he goes to the hotel and he pretends to be a journalist so he can talk to... Horse and hound. Yeah, horse and hound, yeah. <laughs> and that whole exchange, I'm like saying it with Hugh Grant. Um, and I think the appeal of the Richard, Richard Curtis rom-com is that I actually just want to be Hugh yeah. Grant in he is Notting Hill. so charming yeah. in that movie. I, I've seen it before. I've seen it several times before. I knew I liked it, but kind of on paper, you're kind of going into it like okay it just seems like it could be a shitty love story where obviously you've got like the celebrity the american and then the british man who's a bit like goofy and silly but oh my god what he does with it is amazing the minute he starts speaking everyone just falls in love with him oh it's just so good yeah it's so good it is so good and in fairness like if you were to analyze it from a socio-political point of view it's it's an, an ideal that doesn't really exist like they all seem to have no money but live in lovely houses in and around in london Nottingham. in notting hill like, oh, you know what? i'm i just i'm a small man in notting hill i was like yeah exactly <laughs> he's got a bookstore that no one seems to go into but he can afford this lovely yeah. flat literally in the center of notting hill his friends are all um similarly posh and mm-hmm. all privately educated i'm sure um <laughs> the socialists out there would rip it to shreds but i think that's the thing is that you allow it for it's just a perfect idea of life and it's well perfect idea of life for me like Mm -hmm. that's what I want my 20s and 30s to be like I want to be living in and around London and just popping around friends houses yeah well everyone's got a crazy flatmate I've had one no it's not you who is it in this house actually maybe there isn't someone who's exactly like thank god we split it between all of us yeah it's definitely split the weirdness between all of us um 
but yeah, so it's it's it is selling a dream definitely, mm. and it's selling a dream quite literally in that he marries in a famous American yeah. actress, which yeah. doesn't hurt. Um, but it's really funny. Um, just one line that gets me every time mm-hmm. is right at the end where they're doing the dramatic race to find her yeah. before she leaves, and they all bundle into the car and. Um, uh, the, I think his name's Tim McKillany uh, in the car they're all giving him directions oh, yeah. he just said I'm the driver I will decide the route and then just says James Bond doesn't have to put up with this kind of shit and it's just brilliant like it is golden every time um, so yeah no I love Notting Hill it's, it's perfect mm-hmm. moving on to number two number two yeah so I two and one after saying that I picked strategically and I'd picked um, films that fit a genre or yeah. fit a type that I particularly love, doesn't necessarily apply to two and one. Two and one is just me going with my gut, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're kind of equal in your eyes. One is no. One is still is definitely my favourite film, mm-hmm. and uh, we've watched it this morning. So <laughs> we've I'm, come prepared. I'm still riding that high. It is the best film ever. Um, but two, two is uh, well, I might as well say it, is Inception. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, I guess if you were to give it a genre, it's a it's a Christopher Nolan film. Really, <laughs> he, he's another one like um, Wes Anderson and Tarantino, yeah, as we were yeah. saying, who has a style of his own. And I, I, Christopher Nolan's probably maybe the greatest live like regular director or mm-hmm. or in the last 20 years certainly yeah in terms of consistency of brilliant film that's true yeah um but it's not necessarily the style that i absolutely love um the joke is always that his characters don't seem to care about sex or money <laughs> or anything like that that you know it's a world devoid of all of those normal human yeah. wants and needs um but inception whew. and I, the thing i would say about inception is that for all of for most of these films and for most films in general mm-hmm. is that people rewatch stuff because they love it and it's like a comfort yeah. blanket and you become associated with it. With Inception, every time I watch it, I'm like, oh my god, you, you know, <laughs> you notice something else. It yeah. honestly yeah. has to be seen at least three times There's before you so grasp it. There's so much depth in yeah. all of his movies. It, it's it's mad. I mean. The, the guy is an actual genius just in terms of how his mind works. I don't know how he even is able to go to the possibility. And he seems each movie it. that he comes out with, it's this new kind of concept that you think, oh, it can't be kind of dissected that much. Or like, how far can he get into it? And then two, three hours later, you leave completely like shook to your core. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, The Dark Knight is obviously mm. another one that people absolutely love and I absolutely love. The reason that Inception... Yeah, why this one? Yeah, and it's one particular moment that, um, you know, takes it and just, get again, gets me every single time. And that's the closing sequence. I think it's the best closing sequence to a film ever. Yeah. Yeah, it's my favourite. So from... We see um, them land in an unspecified airport um, and the music, a piece of music called Time by Hans Zimmer, which this is so embarrassing, but you know, you, everyone gets their Spotify raps. It was my most listened Your song most. of 2020. <laughs> I, that is so uncool, isn't it? Like, it should, I don't know what it should be, like Blinding Lights no, by ha- the Weekend, Hans- something like that. Um, Hans Zimmer is, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he was on many people's kind of top artists. I think when people listen to soundtrack stuff, they kind of gravitate towards him because yeah. everything he's done is so iconic. 
And and this piece of music, time. I mean, clearly I like it. I listen to it more than <laughs> any other song. Fan. It doesn't sound right, but actually I can believe it because I like to have it on in the background because it's sort of motivational and stuff. Um, and yeah, so it builds so slowly, so you can barely hear it at the beginning, and then it just rises and rises in volume and in depth mm. of the actual music um, as you follow Cobb as he goes home, sees Michael Caine, and then we actually see for the first time in the film his kids' faces. And I, I, I actually, when I watched it, not for the first time, I don't really remember watching it for the first time because I feel like most people's reaction is, what? Yeah. <laughs> what? Um, so I don't, have, I don't remember having a strong reaction the first time, but I can remember so clearly being at a friend's house in um in, Is in this Cornwall. the first time you watched it? I think maybe the second, because mm-hmm. I don't really remember the first time. Um, and uh, we we were watching it in a room in a room full of like four boys or whatever. Not <laughs> normally the the site for emotional catharsis or reaction, mm-hmm. but I was I was just so like overwhelmed, and it wasn't it wasn't so much tears. Yeah, I mean number one that gets me with tears, but it was just I was like you know mm-hmm. I felt ready to fight a war, you know anything. I was the the feeling of emotional being emotionally overwhelmed. Um, and then when he spins the yeah. spins the top, yeah. and it just it's probably one of the most famous shots. Yeah, from that movie. Oh, genius, yeah. and it just just tips a little as you think. Oh, what does that mean? Yeah, um, and. I mean, we can go into the... I remember researching ages after yeah. I watched it, being like, but what happened? What did it fall? What, what did it, it stay mean? up? Yeah. yeah, and that's the thing. We could go on about the conspiracy theories, mm-hmm. um, look them up. Everyone's got a theory about what it, what actually it means, whether yeah. he's dreaming or not. Um, but I like the thing I like is what I heard, I've heard someone say is that the point is he doesn't care, because if you look, he spins it and he walks away, so he doesn't even look. Mm. So I think that's perhaps the most important thing, that whatever the... Whether it's reality or he's in a dream, yeah. he's accepted it as his. I really reality. like that it's left ambiguous. Yeah, and I re- appreciate movies that don't kind of spoon feed you these perfect endings because, I think, art is ma- made to make you think, and I think his stuff especially does that really really well. And especially at the end, it's all this kind of emotion, like you said, you feel like so much, and then you're just kind of left hanging, mm. and you need to figure out what those pieces meant. Yeah, so uh, um, something that we're... Uh, one of the things that I'm taught when we're talking about creative writing, this, this mm-hmm. term, is um, something my professor, shout out Big Sam North, <laughs> if you're listening, <laughs> is he always says, look for the props, and it's a perfect example yeah. of that. Like, he's uh, known him really carefully, obviously builds the importance of this item. We know what it is, we know what it does, we know what its purpose is, and then... We have the emotional actual character bit, mm-hmm. but then we flip back to the prop and that just says it all. And it's just perfect. Mm. Just perfect use of a symbolic item. Yeah. Um, and, and also, I feel like, you know, people forget about Inception, just how exciting it is. It's also an action movie and yeah. there's that awesome sequence and they fight in no gravity. Um, so there's, there's really fantastic bits um, in it throughout, which make it a really entertaining movie on its own mm. but that last sequence is that's the reason it's number two yeah and for me i sometimes can find action films really draining and especially a lot of the blockbusters i just don't enjoy them because there's no character development but with christopher nolan and especially this movie where i think tenet kind of fails on is that it's an action movie that has like the main character as like the grounding plot for the whole thing 
and like it ends off per perfectly with that and you learn so much about him it has like sim similar attributes this kind of crazy concept that you're unwinding except i never really grew to love any of the characters never felt emotionally attached to them whereas like you said everyone's kind of a total mess at the end of inception just through this ambiguous ending mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's it, it, it's perfect in terms of emotional build of a character we talked about before with the godfather and al pacino mm. and michael and that character development Cobb wants to go home to see his kids and he can't because of um everything that's happened and at the end whether it's real or not he does and then but then so what's what's brilliant is that you get that you're like okay we, we've come full circle mm -hmm. but then that little top is just like well have you though yeah. have you really so no that ending to inception best ending to a film mm -hmm. of all time IMO, in my, <laughs> in my opinion. In his very highest opinion. So, that leaves us. Numero uno. Top spot. Yeah, so, number one, and my favourite film. <laughs> Getting emotional already. I am. So, we, to give some context, we watched it this morning, and I was gone, it, like, again, I've seen it so many times, and it almost becomes one of those moments where I'm like, I'm going to cry now, and yeah. every time I do. It was funny, um, we, were, we were sitting kind of almost opposite each other, and then maybe every, like, 20, 30 minutes, you'll hear George just go, <sighs> <laughs> just, like, love pouring out of you. <laughs> um, yes, that's true, that's, I, and, yeah. spoil, well, the number one, my favourite film is Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. Yes. Um... To be clear, I don't know, um, we, you're obviously going to do lots more of these lists mm -hmm. with lots more different people, and people may approach it in different ways, they may do their best films of all time, mm -hmm. but because we're, we're just chatting about our favourites, yeah. and to yeah. be clear, I don't think Forrest Gump is the best film of all time, um, and Notting Hill is certainly, <laughs> certainly not the third best, um, but it is my favourite. Um, there are so many things that I could talk about. I think... What what one reason is that when we talk about genres, it's almost six or seven different genres in yeah, one film. Yeah. Which from an entertainment point of view is perfect. You get a fantastic war sequence that could have come out of Platoon or um Apocalypse Now. Yeah, that that I kind of forgot about that bit and it it really hit me and really drew me in and I just I was surprised by it. Yeah. Especially when I was just feeling so kind of warm right before it. Mm. No, they just it's just random almost. Yeah. You just yeah. hit with this iconic Vietnam War sequence. Um, and the, the other things I like about it, again, you know, when it comes to favourite movies, it's all about personal preference and the things that um, you are interested with and that really resonate with you. And I've always wanted to um, go to America and do, like, a, a journey around America. I was going to say, we're going to run around America. Yeah, well, not run, but, but drive, certainly. And there's just some brilliant shots of America and the beautiful landscapes that, that mm. line, uh, particularly the central part of it. Um, so there's that. Then the, the soundtrack is amazing because it's just, like, because of the nature of the film, we just get a timeline of great American music. Yeah. So you've... Um, or Elvis, there's Bruce Springsteen... <laughs> Um, uh, what's it? Credence Clearwater Revival. Mm. That was a mouthful. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, all of those little touches, and then interspersed with the the really clever. Of I think it's done deliberately, sort of mm -hmm. badly, where um, oh, they you? use real footage. 
um, because the lip reading's so off. Well, and... interestingly, I just looked up a couple of reviews after you watched it, and all of the reviews written when it came out, they were really celebrating it and praising all of the use um, of it. Yeah, I mean, it looks great yeah. in terms of they um, how they superimpose him onto actual footage. Yeah, That's yeah. such an amazing technique in itself. But <laughs> the, the lip reading's like... Uh, no. The bit where um, he shows... I think it's Nixon, his, yeah. his war no. wound. There's no attempt to make it sound like he could be saying that. No. But of course, when would you have found footage of Nixon looking at someone's ass? So, <laughs> like, uh, You're a bit limited. <laughs> yeah. But it, they're just, I think it works as almost like... Well, it's a, it is a motif. That's what it is. Just... A little tick box along the way. Yeah. Just uh, because it's commenting, I think it's based on a book, and I think the book is commenting on the same thing, which is just, it sort of points out how trivial and cyclical politics and life mm-hmm. is. And they do it all the time with the little bursts of people shooting at American presidents or American yeah. figures. Yeah. Just like whoever it is, yeah. whoever, whatever they represent, this happens, this happens. So it's it's commenting thematically and politically as well. But... What's amazing about it is that it tackles these massive issues, but through the vehicle of someone who is oblivious to all of them. Mm-hmm. So Forrest says when he's in Vietnam, we were looking for some guy called Charlie. He doesn't even understand what they're doing there, which is probably a subtle nod to the pointlessness yeah. of the, the war in the first place. Um, he doesn't realise that he's named after the figure of the Ku Klux Klan. He picks up the book for the um, black student who's being admitted to Alabama College for the first time. So... It, it it's perfect in that it's sort of a lesson in how to approach the world and just don't worry too don't get bogged down yeah. in details beliefs arguments um and and they do that perfectly with the with the man that doesn't understand any of it so yeah um and then the final half an hour which is <laughs> the bit emotional of turmoil yes yeah so i would say I mean, I cry when his when his mum dies. Mm-hmm. Spoiler. Um, if you haven't seen it, but if you haven't seen it, what's wrong with you? Watch Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but then they 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 give you a little bit of a break. But when he goes to meet his son, and oh, <laughs> just, I won't actually. I don't know if I'll be able to say the words. But it says something along the lines of. Um, is he tries to get across? Is he smart or is he like that, me? That was is, heart-wrenching. It's the most heartbreaking moment in any film. Yeah. I defy I've, you I've to find that. Yeah, <laughs> literally, um, because I think that's what's so beautiful about it is that at no point is there. Forrest doesn't show any sort of self-awareness, so it's almost like oh, maybe he doesn't understand. Just doesn't understand. The only thing he says back is "stupid is a stupid." Yeah, does. which is what his mum told him yeah, to say. So yeah. he just repeats what people say. Um, and then in like a heartbreaking moment of just, oh, he did know the whole time and crucially doesn't want his son to have to yeah. be the same as him. Oh, it's just so. And then, but then they just, it's, they're like poking you with emotional <laughs> knife because yeah. then Jenny dies and, oh, the scene when he talks to her gravestone. Yeah. Oh, and then it comes full circle perfectly with his son, Little Forest, getting on the bus. Yeah. Um, yeah, that last half an hour, I feel emotionally drained every time. It's just, yeah. again, talking about closing films off nicely. It's I think what I love about this film, it's definitely not one of my favourites. What I love about it is also what I don't like about it. Mm-hmm. And I completely agree with you about, like, kind of, it's a bit of a satire and 
um, about like American society and politics, but I feel like it trivializes things that it shouldn't trivialize. Okay. And I don't know whether that's just because I'm speaking from the context of a very kind of woke society. Yeah. But what what bothered me quite a lot this viewing was how Jenny's character is treated and that she's kind of seen as like this hippie and that she's essentially just human trash and like garbage. Yeah. And she's beaten around and it all kind of stems from the abuse from her father. Mm. But there is the only time she's kind of like saved is when she ends up going to forest and it's this kind of like white savior narrative yeah. and um, a bloke as well a guy yeah saving her, yeah yeah and i can see it in the way that it's like oh these kind of more uh i don't even know if it's fair to say like republican ideals where like you know you live at home you don't think too much about politics just do your own thing be a good citizen yeah and that that's kind of what you end on um but at the same time like you said it does critique things along the way Mm -hmm. in a very interesting way so i'm kind of torn between it and when i was looking at the reviews for it all of the those like praises that we've just talked about are brought up in the original reviews but the only reviews of people rewatching it nowadays really dislike it because they don't they seem they say that it's kind of more of a boomer culture where it's like a boomer nostalgia film which i totally get but yeah. i think there's a lot to love about that yeah it's it's selling like a, a a clever but nonetheless still the same american dream isn't it yeah of, yeah but because it whilst it's it's funny because he doesn't care about money he still makes loads of money. Yeah. And yeah. yet, and that still just because he doesn't know about yeah, it. Yeah. And yet, it's still there to mow the lawn. Like it's like, yeah, but he likes that. Yeah. But so <laughs> they, whilst I was praising them for using um, Forrest to, to to critique and to comment mm-hmm. on stuff, they also use him to sell a dream and yeah. sell an ideal. Because what they're really saying is, look. Even this guy can can live this <laughs> yeah. perfect, um, you know, this perfect American life, and that it's all kind of luck that gets you far. Whereas like, Jenny is brought, who's working her ass off, has to go into like, yeah, kind of sex work, mm-hmm. and she just dies of AIDS. Yes, <laughs> that's what she gets. Yeah, I think most people's problem with the film is is Jenny and yeah. the treatment of Jenny. Yeah, some people just don't like her, which I don't understand. Yeah, the people were saying like, oh, this terrible woman who treats him so badly. It's like, yeah, yeah, but guys, they're, they're, not, they're just not following the character. Like, she's abused as a child. <laughs> she's abused throughout her life. Obviously, she's not that. She's going to be complicated as a person. But people also forget that she was the only one who was friendly to Forrest, mm-hmm. and it's kind of the one who pushed him to run in the first place yeah 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 and and if anything i think is so self-loathing that she doesn't want to actually get too close to forest to bring him down yeah. that's part i think that's part of it that people definitely miss um and yeah all, all of these critiques are, are absolutely fair I, the only thing i'd say from like a film point of view mm-hmm. and approaching it as a film I, uh, whatever they're selling, I'm definitely buying. <laughs> I think that's the best way to describe it. I mean, yes, I'm, you know, as someone who's a, anyone that's aware of the stuff around it and the, the culture that we live in today and all of the yeah. sort of questionable politics that it may comment on, um, I can see that. But whilst I'm watching the film, I do not care. Yeah. I do not care. So from a cinematic point of view, it works. I am... Definitely and I think it. what's what's interesting about this movie is that it's like you 
you said there isn't kind of a genre to it. It's like kind of a comedy, kind of a drama, kind of like a bit of this, bit of that. But there's also like no bad guy. There's no kind of plot line. It's just like Forrest doing things, getting in these like historical iconic moments and just living his life, mm. which I think is really cool. And it makes sense that it is adapted from a book because that's kind of a more like literary narrative structure. But I think when I was watching it, there's a few movies that you watch that have been adapted from books where you can tell or like a play you're like, oh, this is obviously like the original form of this was not a movie or it's not made to be a screenplay. But this one didn't feel like that. Mm. This one felt, I never got bored. And I honestly, I did think I would have. <laughs> um, but It is quite long. Yeah. But it doesn't feel it because I think there's so many genres that you get kind of sucked in and brought out and the pacing fits for it other than we were talking earlier. Yeah, the one bit they can cut is the, the running. There's scene. just there's just a lot of running. Yeah, there's a lot of running and while I was just praising how it's nice to see lots of America, it doesn't actually serve a purpose. No, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's, but... it's beautiful, yeah. And there's a, an amazing shot of when he's running along a lake and there's um I can't what well, I don't know what it's called, but like cornfield. Yeah. And it's shot from in the cornfield. Ah, beautiful. But I, I love it when he's when he finishes running, he stops running. And it's this kind of just dry road up the yeah. back, and these like yeah. whatever rock structures behind it. I think but it's, it's so almost stunning. like the director Robert Zemeckis was like, "Hmm, I want to take some pretty pictures." So, <laughs> I want to go traveling. Yeah. So it, yeah, that's the one bit that you're like, you could probably cut that, and the film would still say yeah. the same in terms yeah. of message. Um, and finally, the only other thing I want to say about mm-hmm. it is there's a thing that sort of. People say, oh, what's the point of it, I guess? Because it could be argued that it's just a pointless film, and that's fine. Lots of great pointless Mm -hmm. films. Um, But there's a bit where, again, he's talking to Jenny's gravestone, Mm. and he says that he's not sure about destiny and where his mum said that um, we're sort of... uh, You can control your own destiny and then Lieutenant Stan theories that we're all sort of blowing around, symbolised by the feather, that just knocked around all over the place. Um, And then he says, I think it's a combination of both. And I just totally agree with that. Like, uh, I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, yeah, that, that is what life is. I genuinely think that. Yeah. And that particular bit actually inspired something that I wrote. So it, it's just, it connected with me. And I totally agree with the, if not the political moral of the film, mm-hmm. the, if you take, if you look beyond that, just to the message about the life, heart the, the heart of the yeah. film then I totally, totally agree with it. And that's why it's my mm-hmm. favourite. Who would you recommend either your top movie or your top five movies to? To, to all the adoring fans at the other end of this podcast? <laughs> what do you mean? Who, who would I recommend them yeah, to? Yeah. In particular? Yeah. Um, anyone that... Um, well, I think there's a, there's a, there's a mix there. Um, so Did you have a, a variety pick? Yeah. And, and, I, and I, I think... I have a varied film taste as mm-hmm. well. Um, but I think that's the reason. So, for example, if you... It's worked perfectly because if you came... If you liked The Godfather um, pick and you loved The Godfather, then you probably like gangster films. If you like Notting Hill and you like that sort of fluffy mm-hmm. English... Oh, sorry, uh, uh, rom-com, rom-com. Whoopsie-daisies. <laughs> yes, whoopsie-daisies, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, then you'll probably, you'll probably like that. Mm-hmm. But Forrest Gump is number one because if you like any of those things, you will like 
Forrest Gump. It's got a, a little piece of, of, of certainly all of the things that I've picked so far. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, check that what out. What a lovely, well-rounded way to end. Perfect. You stumbled on that. Yeah, uh, that makes it seem so linear. <laughs> it's well, perfect. Thank you all for listening. Um, if anyone fancies chatting to me about your favorite movies, let me know. Um, George, do you want to plug all your creative writing and speaking outlets? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, I have a blog which is under the name George F. Brown, um, which you can find. It's it's a WordPress website, but just look it up on look me up on Instagram, I guess, and you you can find it all there. I write about film occasionally, <laughs> um, also a lot of sport. If anyone likes that, um, and if anyone likes football, I have a um, a football podcast called Diehards and Glory Hunters. I, I don't know uh, on the Venn, di- by Venn diagram of people that like cinema and people that like football. I can tell you, maybe, most of my friends probably isn't exactly. The but if there happens to be one or two of you that fall in the middle, check it out. <laughs> can confirm, it's a good time. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I very much enjoyed it.